Hey, Minus 3 is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. You get great odds and markets for the NBA playoffs, what remains of them, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, Major League Baseball, and oh so much more. You can also get great new and existing user promos. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook because it's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings in as quick as two hours. And of course, you got the same game parlay each and every day on the sports calendar. You combine multiple bets from the same game. And there you have a same game parlay. And you discover the most popular same game parlays each day right when you log in. And if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started ASAMP. Just do us a favor here. Sign up with the promo code MINUS3, the word MINUS, the number three, so they know we sent you an Eddie Spaghetti. Let's get this one going. MINUS3 with Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to a new episode of Minus 3. We're ready to roll on all things sports and dip into the game of life a little bit. Joined by Eddie Spaghetti as usual behind the glass and from his latest fancy Hollywood project. It's our pal Kevin Hench. We've interrupted his lunch, as a matter of fact. What's the poop there, Hench? Oh, my God. Incredible, incredible lunch again today. These, these caterers are just tremendous. Now, of course, there are, there's dissent, right? There's always people who go, yeah, it's not great. Really, the four choices of free food, not not great today? Mm-hmm. Where, fucking, when, when did you become an heiress? Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm delighted by the hanger steak. Incredible. Uh, and by the way, I get all of it. I just get one of each. Uh, the mahi-mahi, delicious. Um, vegetable samosas, very good. Uh, I got a little salad over here. Um, oh, and the chicken tikka masala also was very oh good. Oh, my God. You, you, that, so. you've, uh, you've, you've, you've crossed the entire globe without leaving your chair. Good for incredible. you. I think it's a, you know what? We just had Ross Tucker on uh, a couple of days ago. Back and li- Go back and listen to that one. We talked about, uh, of course, pro football, but we talked about some food. We talked about uh, other important matters like uh, saddest movie deaths that we've ever seen. And he made me laugh with a, with a couple of those. But we also talked about he's been on Philadelphia Eagles pre- uh, um, preseason broadcasts the last little bit. And I like it because he lets his Eagles fan flag fly. And, you know, there's a larger conversation about the people who take up these jobs in the sports industry. And it comes off as though they don't like sports. They're resentful of sports. I think this is a close cousin to it. If you got into comedy writing and you land on the other side and and somebody's giving you free food, whatever you wanted, and all you can think to do is bellyache about it, fat. Give up the chair to someone who will appreciate it. How safe? Absolutely. <laughs> You'll never hear that from this country boy from Vermont. Um, uh, hey, so it's funny that, uh, you know, we're in this world now. You were, we were talking a little before you came on where it's like, you know, you have to be as extreme as possible. That's how you get traction in your political lane or in your, in your sports takes. And it is, I do wish there was kind of like, a, a radical, rational lane. And I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's Beto O'Rourke. I, you know, it, it seems more and more rational. What I'm happy is that Steve Kerr, by pounding the, the table, Steve Kerr allows t- sports dopes like us to talk about it. Because- I wrote it down. I wrote that down exactly that way. I don't want to ascend up uh, to Mount Pius from 
people's perspective, some people's perspective. I don't want to hear about that. I tune that stuff out. So I, I watch sports so I can get away with it. Steve Kerr, and by the way, Clay Travis, representing both sides, have made it a sports story. Now, continue. Ahead. Well, so, but the thing that is, is like, because it's like, oh, you're on your team and I'm on my team. And and it's funny, we'll, we'll get into Truba's hit in a, in a second, but like the way, the way we watch sports, right? We go, that's not a foul. How can you call it a foul? Because it was called on my team, right? So we literally cannot see what's in front of our eyes because we so desperately don't want it to be a foul on Jalen Brown that we literally can't see that he fouled the guy. Like, we're fucking crazy. And yes. obviously politics is largely the same way, that you can't see when your team commits a foul. The crazy thing about this is th- this is not uh, your side, my side. This is 90% of the country agrees that psychotic murderers should not be able to buy assault weapons. This is not controversial at all, at all, unless you're Clay Travis or Ben Shapiro who wants to play to the fucking psychotic, completely extreme off the reservation base and the NRA. That That is a radical position. Steve's current position is not radical. No one is saying we're going to take away your hunting rifle. There is no radical position articulated in the stop murdering children lane. So it's I I mean, this is one where it's like, hey, uh, you're really when you're I mean, obviously, Greg Abbott went to a fundraiser the, the night of the murders. Great job. And then Friday in Houston, the NRA will have its dinner where guns will not be allowed inside. I don't know. Why not just give Donald Trump a gun? To protect himself, right? That's the solution. There's gonna be a lot you know, of mentally ill people there. Strapped. That's yeah. the solution. Uh, so, so I do not think this is a, a 50-50, Hey, your side, my side. I, I think it's it's ninety percent sane people who are like, we got to do something to keep our kids from getting slaughtered. Versus, literally, the remaining ten percent are just psychotic maniacs. That's who Clay Travis is. That's who that's who Ted Cruz is. That's who Ben Shapiro is. They're or at least they God. portray themselves to be that way. It, it is largely disingenuous. I think the politicians and otherwise who talk about these things don't believe them. Ted Cruz type people don't really believe them. They're motivated to lie for whatever reason you want to conjure, whether it's, um, you know, a gun lobby or it's their liter- it's their specific interests or it's their constituents' interests. Uh, you know, of course, we have to accept people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert. But for the most part, I think it's motivated by something other than what they believe deep in their balls. Um, you know, well, listen, yeah, I don't so, need so, to go so, on and on. The only thing I'll say about this is here's how you know the arguments are disingenuous. The, the mental health one. So the U.S. is the only nation on the planet that suffers from mental health issues that that it holds zero water on face. It's ridiculous. And like, hey, you know what it is? It's it's kids in single homes. It's not having a yeah, dad around right. yeah. for them. Like also only it's true uh, in America. Only true. Do, are, are there single parent homes going? I mean, what? There, there's no logical argument. So canards are thrown out to try and justify it until we move on to the next subject. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting because people who don't have empathy can't feel pain until it happens to them, right? They don't They don't know what other people are going through. And then those people congregate to one political party, and then entire political party becomes made up of people who can't feel empathy for other people. It's fucking shocking. So then someone like Orrin Hatch, God rest his soul, you know, he's against stem cell research, but if his sister gets leukemia, 
Now he's warming up to stem cell research. Maybe it's not killing babies if it can help my family. Senator Rob Portman from Ohio, virulently anti-gay rights, these fucking subhumans. Then his son comes out as gay. Hey, you know what? I'm taking a second look at that. I just don't know how does it fucking have to happen to you before you understand what other people are going through. And in which case, God forbid, but like, does a loved one of a fucking Republican politician have to go down before they actually understand what people are going through? Because we don't have to live like this. No other country lives like this. This is fucking insane. And they take the blood money and they perpetuate it. And I just, I don't, I, I mean, you know, we had a moment of silence on set today and it's like, we don't need fucking silence. We need rage. We need rage. These are fucking children. What are we doing? So as we transition now into what feels not so important, but um, uh, nevertheless uh, is what we will talk about now, is uh, is sports. And I do think our loyalty, our, uh, our team colors matter more than anything else, and they color the way we see things. A week ago, Spaghetti and I went back and forth about this too, and I, I say the same thing. That's why... I said in advance of the Penguins or, you know, a couple of games into the Penguins and Rangers series that, you know, I don't I, I don't know. I, I, I know enough. I'm old enough now to realize maybe I am a deluded uh, fan of my team and I can't see it straight. I do tend to go then to third party objective sources to see what the buzz is there. And if most people are saying, oh, yeah, that that was a dirty play or that was a good goal or whatever, I'll be like, all right, if it, if, if, if objective people see it that way, one way or the other, whether I like it or not, I guess I can I can accept that reality. And I guess that's what it comes down to. So, Spaghetti, uh, uh, Hench, you want to jump in on the, on some puck talk here? Do you want to do a little NFL revisit? Well, I mean, it just I was laughing because, um, you know, that that hit on Domi was egregious. You know, he launches on Tuesday and, night in game yeah. four in MSG. Jacob but, you know, Truba and, and, once again his elbow his 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 evil elbow who who has a that has a mind of its own once again made contact with another opposing player. And I'm very neutral on that clip. So I'm I'm reliable, but I I'm but I'm laughing at myself because you know, I'm I'm looking I I'm although I will say this. I don't think Jason Tatum gets fouled nearly as much as Jason Tatum thinks he gets fouled. That's an olive branch. Good for you. He to has say not that. figured out part of the reason you don't get calls is because you complain every time you miss a shot. Odell it, Beckham it, syndrome. He's he's it, the chief uh proponent of I uh, oh, I didn't make the play I wanted to make. Well then that's gotta be a that's gotta be because uh, the defender got in my way, right? And then and then you get the rep and uh but Tatum right. is like, you know. You're like, it didn't look like he got fouled. And then you're like, oh, he didn't get touched. Throws his hands up every time, right to the rafters. Oh, my God. When am I going to get respected? Um, anyway, so so it is funny to watch the playoffs, particularly because we just are so corrupted. We cannot see what's right in front of our eyes. We, you know, we so want to believe. And there's also this other narcotic of victimhood, right? We also it, it, it feels so good to be a victim that we want to believe that the refs had it in for us <laughs> or that the or the league wants the other team to win. Oh, so a, a more mild offshoot of that is there are a lot of provincial fans who think that the broadcast team is against them, too. That's a big one in Pittsburgh. 
Like, Dave, why is Bob Trumpy on the game? I don't like Trumpy. He played for the Bengals. Clearly, he don't want the Steelers to win. That's a, that's a, that's another good one. Um, and I, I resisted feeling that um, watching the play when uh, when Marv Albert's son was calling the Rangers action last week against the Penguins. I, I was able to let that go and, and focus in on the game. Um Eddie Spaghetti, your thoughts. Is this is this hench kind of like an intervention then? Like, come on. You know why? Because I said this to Spaghetti too a week ago. Before you go, Spaghetti. I you gave me great counsel um back in what? January, February of 2006, right after Super Bowl 40, the Steelers returned to their rightful place atop the football mountain. And all I was getting from people was, you guys should have lost that game and the refs handed it to you. And I pushed back and people and, and Hench got in my ear, a man who's no stranger. He roots for obviously Boston teams with a ought for Red Sox who like taking the spike to get more muscular. And obviously Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are uh, are no angels either with gamesmanship. And Hench got in my ear and he gave me some great advice in the moment. He said, don't try and argue with people. It only diminishes your enjoyment. Let people have their complaints. Ain't going to change the result you, as a fan of the Steelers, just ride high. Just ignore it like it's uh, like it's white noise and, uh, and and celebrate your victory. I gave that same advice to Eddie Spaghetti. Have you been able to adopt it? In what regard? I mean, I'm not I'm not spending any moments talking about the Truba hit because it, it was an unfortunate thing that happened uh, as a guy was falling down. He lost his skate. He lost his edge. He fell down. Unfortunately, his he, he collided with his head, which is why. Um, who is uh, uh, the other player who got the instigator penalty thought, you know, from his angle, he thought he was targeting him, but it just Domi lost his edge. It's, it is, it happens. Unfortunately, Truwa was involved with two, to me, in my mind, hockey plays that looked bad on him. And he's a guy that plays with an edge and still has a physicality that the game is losing. Um, each season goes by, the NHL is moving away from the physicality aspect that it had a decade ago. So, I mean, like, I mean, I did not spend more than five seconds thinking about the true hit. You guys can disagree, but it's it's fine. I mean, if it makes you feel better, the against all odds guys too thought the same thing. They thought it could have went either way. Not a big deal. Uh, I don't know. I, that's all I have to say on the matter. Okay, so he is taking your advice. He's just kind of moving on. He's not engaging. I like that. Which no, I, I do like that. I appreciate um, the <laughs> the other the other thing that makes us despicable as fans that I've really been experiencing, right? So, you know, that you wish you were a better person, but you're like, it would be so great if Chris Middleton missed this series against the Celtics. Like, you just feel yourself feeling it. You're like, well, that gives us a better better chance. Then it's like, then you should wish for the entire other team to be hurt. Are you Where's saying the- people are disingenuous when they say, I want the other team at full strength? Do you well, say that I we're mean, trying to I, fool ourselves? Because I can tell you honestly, I really do. I, I maybe maybe I have deluded myself so thoroughly. I really do think that I want going into a series. I want that team at full strength. I want to, I want to beat them at their best. I, I I've well, convinced I may, myself. I might have said that out loud, undoubtedly, <laughs> but I know in the moment when they go, uh, Middleton might be back for Game Five. I'm like, gee, I hope not. I mean, immediately, I'm like, I, I go, you know, and then and then the really bad one. And maybe this is just me. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm worse than than everybody. Maybe I'll be a Republican in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, so Al Horford had to miss Game One uh, of the Heat series, and I'm definitely like, hey, what the fuck is going on? Like, what are you going to sit down, Michael Jordan, for the flu game? Like this guy, you know, we it 
if you're vaccinated, no big deal. If you're not vaccinated, that's on you. Let's just let everybody play. And then he plays Thursday, which I guess, I don't know, does that mean it was a false positive? Like, it's so insane. I'm furious about it. Then there was like a half hour on uh, on on Tuesday where it there was a rumor going around that two Heat players might have tested positive. It turned out to be nothing or part of the travel, the staff, you know. But immediately I went to like, yeah, Bam and Jimmy Butler. We got this. Like immediately I was like, okay, this is going to be great. They're going to miss this game. And I'm like, what? I'm like, literally, all I'm rooting for is a parade, regardless of how I had to get there. This will be good. Steph will turn his ankle in the game, in game five against the Mavs. Like, what are you winning? What are you winning at a certain point? And I mean, that is kind of like when you look at what the Warriors, how lucky they've gotten um, bet- between Ja and, and going down and, and the Suns burning out. I mean, uh, the, the Warriors have had a, had a nice run and there, there is obviously a lot of luck. Um, I guess what you want is to be a, a Laker fan in 1980 where Kareem goes down and Magic says, no problem. Well, you know, to your credit, the one thing I, I can't recall you ever throwing in my face, and this is a recurring thing too to me, is and I counseled, I tried to, to you know, say to Penguins fans, if you think that anybody outside of Pittsburgh gives a crap that like, well, Sidney Crosby was hurt and that a year from now, certainly not five years or 10 years or whatever from now, do you think anybody's going to look back and be like, yeah, but the Rangers beat us because Sidney Crosby was out. People move on very fast. Nobody, nobody cares. Nobody, nobody recalls. To your credit, you've never said the Steelers have won it. You know, they've, they've won a couple of Lombardies in the, in the millennium of the Patriots. You've never said, you never went through us on your way to a, a Lombardi trophy. And oh, Steelers fans are all too down. happy. Let me to, write that down. Steelers fans are way mind. too happy to forget about uh, uh, Bart Scott and the Jets beating them in Foxborough improbably. Um, this is the game before they caught the Jets and Hines. People, well, the Matt Castle season. If Tom Brady's healthy, maybe the Steelers don't make a, don't make their Super Bowl run. Yes, um, that's that's the biggest bummer of all when you're on the wrong side of things. Um, I also think though that speaking of rationalizing and and the delusion that we suffer from, you know, people throw at me. People always do the whataboutism with uh, like. Jacob Troub is a dirtbag. He's a scumbag, clearly taking headshots. Like, oh, but it was all right for you. You said that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, Samuelson was all right. Like, yeah, but that was different because he was on my team. But I can rationalize that because that was a different era. And Mean Joe Green was dirty. You know, I, I, you know I'm not uh, mounting a defense for that. But we do have to grapple on some level, or maybe we don't, with the morality of like, we all know that guy's not a good... Uh, Jacob Truba's elbow isn't just an unfortunate, innocent bystander and all these things when it keeps colliding with heads. You can concede that, right, Spaghetti? No, I don't agree with you. I mean, you can keep you can keep saying this in every other podcast we do and bring it up in different variations, but again, it's just like <laughs> he's a guy that still uses his body. He's the one guy on the team you look for to clear the crease out, and he's throwing a hit against another guy, Max Domi, who also uses his body. Again, lost his edge, fell down, and that's what happened. That's the reason why there was. Really I, no, did I just? There was, did no, I, there was no retaliation to that. I mean, it's just it it it, it wasn't called. Did a I see the clip combined. wrong? That like Trouble, both skates are off the ice, right? I mean, he leaves his feet. He but he didn't. But Domi's the reason why there's a collision with his head is because Domi fell down, 
And that's the reason why the, the other the other player on the Hurricanes didn't see it. And he was caught and he got the instigator penalty because Trouba wasn't looking to fight. He was looking to make a hockey play and continue playing. And he was brought into a fight. That's exactly what happened in, in, on the ice. Well, I don't know what else to say. I mean, as we, because obviously we've proven the Rashomon of we literally can't we can't see anything when when we're watching our team. But then our team loses, and then we're like, it's two hours later, and we just catch ourselves like, I'm fucking miserable, and you forget why. Like you just thought you're doing something with your kids, you know? You're like, I'm fucking miserable. What's going on? I go, so true. Oh yeah, these fucking douchebags I'll never meet lost the game three thousand miles away. Uh, that's that's logical. That's why I want my kids such, to get lost. It's such a sad, pathetic uh, thing that we do to ourselves that we choose to repeatedly put on. And I'll feel it. Like I'll feel it in my body. I'll be like, "Whoa, man, I got the blues." What is I asked up? about the I asked about this the other day. Nazem Kadri is another guy. I mean, like he's gotten a pass because of the you know the horrific racial stuff that's been slung his way. So no wonder he plays with an edge, but he has a history. It's not like this is a, you know, that the, the, the when, when, when he ran through the abs goalie, that was the first time he was ever in some controversial spot, which like spaghetti. And I talked about, I don't think was really a, a controversial play on his part, except that he has a reputation that is deserved. Can you remember Hench? I was trying to do it off the top of my head and I took a spin about an hour ago, and I couldn't really find somebody in sports history who was that much, you know, there, there are those figures that come through um, your sports town who everybody's ready to boo. That guy did bad to our player and our team, and now we are going to let him have it mercilessly with our boos and such, and we want to see him fail, and we want to get in his head, and he sticks it to the team. Can you remember... Any player on any level doing that to the, the, to the degree Kadri did it in St. Louis with a hattie? <laughs> that, uh, was, that was insane. Were, they, I mean, they were, there's the bloodlust was so intense in the middle of the game. They trucked them twice and took a double minor as a result and really ended the game and probably their chances of the series as a result. And everybody was crazy with the bloodlust and everything else. And then he put two more goals on them. Um, I you know I can't think of the you know a hat trick like that but you know Claude Lemieux was as was hated for a much longer duration by more good. teams you know and this guy this guy was beating everybody in the playoffs and people were like I can't believe I shook his fucking hand so you know he he comes to mind but uh, that's a good know, one he, yeah he wasn't putting three goals behind people although he he became a better player in the playoffs which is what you want. And I think to Spaghetti's point, I, I appreciate what he's saying is that, you know, one of the things I always liked about the playoffs is because it elevated a certain kind of player um, that was a two-way player and a physical player. So obviously we, we all despise Claude Lemieux, but you had to appreciate that his team seemed to, uh, to get more successful by virtue of him being on it in the playoffs. Uh, I feel like there was just a real recent one of a of a guy getting booed maybe like the basketball playoffs like well I, I yeah like- i mean we've seen guys get booed and then f- fail as a result of it you know the 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 concession that like yeah I, I got distracted by all the stuff from the stands and everything and it and it hurt my performance and it hurt our team oh, I'm trying to oh, think the other I, one. the one the one oh that's the one that's the one that i was going to throw out it's weird because they end up you know the the nets lose to the celtics um, 
on the Tatum back cut at the buzzer to win by one. Right. But Kyrie had a fucking crazy That's a great game one. That's in that a great game. One, right. He's getting booed every time he touches the ball. He's flipping off the fans. And then he just buries an ice cold three to basically seal the game. It was really nuts how the Nets managed to lose that game one. Everyone, again, forgets because they got swept. But that Kyrie game was like, oh, my God, stop booing him. It's obviously inspiring him. When you get hammered to the degree that the Nets did in the series, that move, you know, history moves fast past the past that Brooklyn team. But I stand by if they get that first game, I really do. I really would love to see how that series played out. Um, I want to talk about the Florida Panthers because you talk about the style of play going on. Um, Do you think that um, that their brand of hockey or or is it? Are they just the latest victims of the President's Cup? I think it might be a little bit of both. How say you that the President's Cup, for those who don't know, is the team that gets the most points in the NHL season. And it is a plague. I don't know what gives that if you win that thing, it almost eliminates you. It's sort of like the um, the at the Masters when they do the hole in one competition or the uh, par three three. that if you win that, then it rules you out of winning the actual gold uh, green jacket. I think it's on par with that kind of a curse. How say you? Well, the uh, I, you know the thing about the NHL with so many teams making the playoffs, the the time to be at your best is when the playoffs start. A, any team that's won the President's Trophy by virtue of winning the President's Trophy has been at its best for the longest period of time. That's why you have the best record in the league. And other teams have been sandbagging, you know, hey, superstar, why don't you take another week off? This game's not big. Home ice, not that critical in the playoffs. So, you know, not not that the Panthers were killing themselves down the stretch to win the President's Trophy, but I do think historically it's just a team that fired on all cylinders for too long to keep firing on all cylinders. I don't know what you do if you're that team's coach. (laughs) You can't bring up, you know, six AHL forwards and and try to lose. Um, But, uh, you know, I was genuinely surprised by how short that series was. I don't think any of us were surprised that they lost uh, to fucking Vasilevsky. I was rooting for, well, I was certainly rooting against it from happening. And now it feels like a lot of people are jumping on with the lightning. And I think the bad news, I mean, you know, obviously the, the Spaghetti and Rangers fans are happy that they evened the series. But now for the Canes, I guess this it, it, this is relevant, too, because they could have gone up 3-1. Um, whoever survives that one, and it's a hard-hitting affair going on between those two teams, is now going to get a well-rested Tampa Bay Lightning. Does this mean that you're kissing the Lightning into the final at least? Well, you know, you start to think about... Uh, and I know for a lot of our listeners, the longer we talk about hockey, the more they're, they're going to wish we went back to gun control. Um, but that's OK. It's a major sport. Um, it does feel like because the avalanche feel like the team of the moment and the team of, of the next few years, a lightning avalanche final feels like. Do you have one more in? This is the next. These guys, you know, it's like when you see um, I I, I I'm going to fuck up his name, but this, this kid, uh, uh, the tennis player, who's going to, who's going to replace the big three as a rank, as a rank, I'm sorry, apologize. Um, but anyway, there's a 19 year old who's going to be the next big thing in tennis. And it's like, is it going to happen at this franchise? It's happening for sure. 
Hmm. Is it going to happen at the French Open or is it going to happen down the road? And uh, I feel that way about a, a lightning avalanche final where it's like, does the rain end this year and start an avalanche? Cole McCarr, three-year rain, or do the lightning get another? And my money says avalanche. I, I am with you on the Avs. Um, but as far as the Wales slash Eastern Conference goes, the odds are weird because the Lightning aren't worth it at minus 135 in all likelihood. The Canes are plus 210. Not a ton of value in that either. Why are the Rangers plus 470? They're even up against the Canes now. It's weird that they're... What what exactly is going on? They have their number one goalie. Anthony Ranta is, you know, is, you know, backup goalie. Why would the Canes be have shorter odds by a lot? That is there something I'm missing here? Spaghetti, you're watching this series most closely and most passionately. And as we say, maybe with uh uh blue and red colored glasses, but nevertheless, what 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 gives? Why would they be such a long shot here? Well, I mean, well, I don't think I'm actually watching this series with blue and red colored glasses because I didn't even pick the Rangers to win this series because the uh, Hurricanes gave them nightmares all season long. But I guess it's because they have two home games left. And uh, I guess the, the I guess Canes they keep who are, winning, right? They're a, Jek- they're a Jekyll and Hyde team who, uh, you know, they do they do win at home. But they're pretty br- uh, brutal on the road. I, but I will say, I mean, I, uh, Range fans, if you want to bet on the Rangers too, whatever the number is right now at the time of this recording, I, th- I think you're in a, it's a pretty good bet with a team that's better on the power play, whereas the Canes cannot get anything going on the power play. Obviously, you mentioned Anthony Ronson giving up four goals a game, basically, and I think even if they make the swap, the, the swap to put in Anderson, I'm not sure that's a good move either because you don't want to put in a goalie who's cold in game five or game six. So uh, I feel pretty good about the Rangers right now currently uh, You know, going forward. I think if they can win game five, Obviously, you feel pretty good about game six where they literally have not won a game on the road, the Hurricanes. So uh, I think we're in a good spot. All right. I'm going to I'm going to ask for a, I'm a gonna throw uh, that out. I'm going to throw that out since, you know, it's a free for all Rangers to beat the Hurricanes in game five. I was just gonna uh, ask. Best bet. Best bet. You cannot like the Hurricanes. They, they didn't just like win at home and, and lose in Boston. Like they were getting their asses kicked in Boston. Like they just, you cannot, this thing of like, well, we get to make the last change. I think, first of all, I think that was a bigger deal against the Bruins than it is against the Rangers that you get to make the last change. Uh, and, and so I think this little home road, uh, Jekyll and Hyde thing ends in game five and the Rangers, uh, win that game on their way to advancing in six. Plus 126 if you want to take uh, the Rangers on the road. And Raleigh, Canes at home, minus 152 on the money line. If you like to jazz things up a little bit and uh, lay a goal and a half, the Canes then are plus 176. The thing that I like the best that I keep pointing to this series is that the totals between the two teams have pretty much consistently gone under or over. And you saw that happen again with the Canes um, and Rangers on one side of Hockey America and then the Oilers and uh, and Flames up in uh, the Great White North. Uh, boy, what a boy. That was almost I- I'm bummed because I feel like the series is going to end now. The the battle for Alberta. But yet another juicy installment of of this wonderful rivalry. How say you, Hench? Did you get to watch any of the game on uh, on Wednesday night? On Just Tuesday. the highlights, Sorry, but Tuesday I would night. also I would I would not be surprised if the Flames win that series. 
Really? Well, I mean, listen, they, the, the Oilers are a flawed team, but and I, I know people keep pointing at them as top heavy. I don't think they're as thin as I'm missing something, I guess, because I don't think they're I don't think I, I maybe maybe they're a little soft uh, defensively and in their bottom six, but they have players. I don't, the, the idea that they're a two man or a four man team, I think, is uh, is an exaggeration. But I hear what you're saying, though, what you're what you're thinking on the Flames. Well, they're they're excellent and they are deep. And, you know, whenever it's those three one hockey leads are so perilous, right, because you can very easily imagine it coming down to you have to win game six at home. I mean, in a weird way, even though you're up three one, it kind of could be a one game series very easily. And so I just think, you know, uh, the, the, the flames are deep and good. And obviously, McJesus has been incredible. Um but I just think you're going to get a ton of value at three games to one, uh, and it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I guess I'll try. I, maybe I'm a fool. I guess I'll stick with the Canes until they go against it. What am I going to do? I'm going to um, the the dealer keeps pulling twenty one, but now I'm going to I'm going to assume that his streak's got to end here. Canes at home, they've won all their games, and they don't lose on the and they don't win on the road. So I'll assume that we'll see them both back in MSG. Um, coming up here soon and you're going to take the flames on the other side of things i'll go with you too i'm not going to turn my back on the flames just yet now hey quick reminder this baseball season you can turn k's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel sportsbook right now new customers can step up to the plate with a risk-free bet up to one thousand dollars and with FanDuel same game parlays you can turn little bets into big paydays same game parlays the way to go Eddie Spaghetti's Yanks are, of course, on fire, leading the way. Or you could go with Cousin Sal's team, the Metropolitans, who are running away currently with the NL East. The Red Sox are hot. I don't necessarily think I'm going to advocate for the Pirates here, but, hey, they beat the they beat the Rockies on uh, Wednesday. Hey, what you need to do, though, sign up, place your first bet, and FanDuel's going to refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win. Remember, there's no better place to bet on America's pastime than on America's number one sports book which is FanDuel, by the way. Oh, make sure you use the promo code FanDuel.com slash minus three. Let's squeeze in a quick break. I know you love when I what if things, Hench, and so I'm going to what if this. Get into, it's not way back machine, but was it 2015? I think it was the 2014 NBA draft. And LeBron was ready to leave Miami and his titles and his pals D. Wade and Bosch and come back to the homeland. The prodigal son wanted to deliver a title to Cleveland. And it it hinged, though, on trading away Andrew Wiggins, the rights to that pick, and instead bringing in the vet that he felt was necessary for the Cavs to get over the hump and trade Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love. Two years later, he was proven right. But would the Cavs have been better off long-term and even the year before? They win the title in 2016. I say rookie of the year, the athletic wing, you turn him two-dimensional Andrew Wiggins against that Golden State Warriors team, defend and run the floor like a mother, Andrew Wiggins. I think they maybe win the 2015 title. And by doing that, it convinces Kyrie he feels better. Remember, he wanted out. I want to be the alpha now. I think you'd feel a little bit better if it was LeBron and Andrew Wiggins and Kyrie. Now they have the three man, the big three that uh, teams covet in the NBA. 
maybe that lasts for at least a half decade. Maybe LeBron never winds up in L.A. Kyrie doesn't go through hits, fits, and starts in, in multiple NBA towns. And Andrew Wiggins, his delayed rise, in fact, gets kick-started by being on a championship team in Cleveland. How say you? Well, that's, that is the question. You really have to say, like, would, you know, would the Andrew Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins has become, have become the Andrew Wiggins earlier? Like, like. Well, he's rookie of the year. The truth is, the truth is you know, he, he's, he obviously found a very uh, a fun place to play and, and, and he's a system that he, he thrives in with a coach who's brought out the best in him. But this, we've talked about this, like. The Red Sox mortgaged everything to win the 2018 World Series. And then, you know, the Dombrowski tax had to be paid. Like the fucking next guy comes in and it's like, yeah, you you gotta you gotta fucking sell. You can't get shit. And it's like, why? Because we gave Dombrowski everything. He won a championship. So I feel like part of the the cost has to be, yes, you will be worse off eventually. The, the, you're going for it. What going for it means is the bill is going to come due, and 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 LeBron's going to leave. Um, I, I I think you know they obviously still do it if they if they get guaranteed the championship. Um, which again, back to your point about nobody nobody caring that Crosby didn't play. We all know they don't win that championship if Draymond Green doesn't get suspended. It's just a block of Golden State Warriors. It's a great little asterisk. It's a weird little footnote in history that, right, I, I will gloss over that myself. You're absolutely right. But go back and look at 2015, and they're fairly close against that Dubs team. They really were, I mean, just as they they, they did get over the hump the following year, I think they might, I, you know, I think there's a, a pretty decent case there. It's a fun one to talk about, but now let's talk about the Dubs and the Mavs, and I got to say, I know I keep belly aching about this, but, you know, nothing has changed really. These NBA playoffs stink. Every one of them is a blowout. It's unsatisfying to watch. Now the Dubs are laying seven at home. Well, I guess whichever side you like, pick them to win the game, that's for sure. If you like the Mavs, then bet them on the money line so so that you get more value out of it. Um and, you know, minus seven, ooh, that feels a little heavy for a team that just got dumped in Dallas with, you know, I, I always think about the human element. Did the Mavericks, the Mavericks won a game like they know they're probably not going to win this series. Now they have to get on a plane and fly all the way to, to the Bay Area. That could have been done. It could have been summertime for them. And now they put themselves into this spot. I was surprised on that human level. I was like, ah, Luca could say to the fellas, Great year, fellas. Nobody, we didn't think we were going to get this far, but we did. And and, uh, and good season, and we'll get them next year. Now they force this game. Seven feels heavy to me, except that every game's a blowout. How say you on this one? Yeah, seven Seven feels like a, a you know, a 90-second spell in the four. You know, like I could just see the Warriors. I could see it being close and going, damn it, why'd I lay all those points? And then just boom, it's it's you know it's twelve in a heartbeat and and the Warriors win this game this result feels agreed upon right it's like look we're not going to sweep you we know we we we'd rather have another gate another gate at home it's good for our organization to win this at home you don't want to get swept let's just kind of globe trotter and Washington general our way through this game for formality but hey man be cool when we get back to our place because we're going to have to rock you. And Dallas is like, well, we've gone so much farther than we thought we would. That's totally fine. 
that's totally fine. So yeah, this one this one feels preordained that the Warriors win and cover. Um, you know, I, I still really, and I went back and I watched the whole tape. I still cannot understand that Suns Mavericks game seven. I mean, I've watched it like this Bruder film. The Suns miss so many good shots in the first quarter. It, it's it just boggles the mind because you see the box score and you're like, what was happening? I mean, my first thought was like, oh, two guys got hurt. And you're like, nope. Chris Paul is shooting that elbow jumper and actually missing it for the first time in his life. So that was a crazy aberration, but it does feel like the Mavs have, you know, the Mavs, we talk about this all the time. When you see a team really celebrating the AFC championship, oh, you're going to lose. You're going to lose in the Super Bowl. You're, you're way too excited about this one, as opposed to the team who's like, you know, don't don't touch the uh, Prince of Wales trophy. We are not interested. And it feels to me like the Mavericks know nothing can happen now where they did not have a very good season. Whereas you're, the Warriors have unfinished business. You're you're a basketball expert, I think uh, we can say. And specifically, you're uh, you're an ace yourself, as we've talked about. One of the great aces uh, of the last half century, shooting the basketball from deep. Um, but do you find so somebody who who loves and is a great shooter himself? Do you like watching this one? But but the bigger question is, is this a blip that the NBA will overcome? I keep saying. ISO ball was the worst to me in, in the NBA. It was just really like, who could sit through 82 games watching this before the playoffs even arrive? It was, uh, um, didn't love that. And the big three era was fun and it made sense. And if you accumulate, the, is that guy going to be enough? Is he really going to rise to the occasion? Is Elton Brand good enough to, to be one of the big three for blank team to really get over the hump? And that kind of math. And now we're in this weird space where either you have a guy who you can pitch the ball in, in, to, uh, in the low block to, who then can pass the ball back out to a shooter, or you have a guy who's good enough to drive the ball south of the free throw line and then pitch the ball out to a shooter. Either way, it's the exact same thing. It's like college football um, in the spread offense. It's unsatisfying when everybody plays the exact same way, and the and even worse, when the results feel just so absolutely random game to game. How say you? Well, I will say, you know, as, a, as somebody who enjoy, I mean, I love great shooters like Larry Bird, but what made Larry Bird fun to watch was he was exceptional. Now it's like you spread out four, sometimes five guys who all have to be able to shoot between 36 and 42% from three to make it mathematically worthwhile to have you on the court. And it does feel like it loses. I mean, especially when you see the big clumsy guys, when fucking Carl Anthony Towns is shooting threes, it's like, what has happened? What's happened to this great sport where the Giants are shooting threes? But the play that, that drives me the most crazy is the hardest thing to do in basketball is to blow by your guy to the point where he can provide no resistance on defense. He's a memory. And you are deep in the lane and you could finish this move by going right up, to right, you are at the rim. Now they're going to have to foul you or you are going to dunk it. I'm going to fucking whip it to a guy, 25 people. Oh, it's like, <laughs> it's crazy. It's every game. You're like, oh my God, here he goes, going to dunk it. No, it's just yet another, another set shot from fucking PJ Tucker standing in the corner. And by the way, PJ Tucker, I want to say something real quick. 
if they called the the rules of basketball the way they are written, PJ Tucker could not play in the NBA. He he's he's so limited in what he can do. But if he's allowed to put two hands on the guy he's guarding at all times, if there was a stat for fouls called divided by fouls called plus fouls committed, PJ Tucker gets called for 30% of the fouls he commits, bitches like crazy on all of them. Uh, what about the 70% of the fouls you committed uh, while, we do, while we weren't blowing the whistle? But what he has perfected, and this is a real thing, he commits 70% fouls. He's always fouling you 70%. So it doesn't really look like a foul. And then you look at the replay, you're like, oh, he's got his hands on both his hips. That guy can't go anywhere. That guy can't get open. That guy can't come off a screen. Peyton Pritchard actually tried to fight over a P.J. Tucker screen. He both grabbed him with his left hand and put his right leg in front of where he was going. And it was like a classic P.J. Tucker move, which is like illegal and not called. Illegal and not called. That's P.J. Tucker's entire career, which is very good. Obviously, part of why the Bucs won the championship last year. If you can get a guy on the court who doesn't have to play by the rules, that's a huge advantage. That is a big advantage. So PJ Tucker probably as we as as Spaghetti posts this is holding Jason Tatum around the waist. I can pretend like I'm watching the monitor. I'm, this is how confident I am that it definitely <laughs> happened. Oh, there he is. He's fouling Jason Tatum right now. No call. It's anyway. the perfect. It's the perfect um, intersection because Jason Tatum complains too much about. I want the file, and they're like, we're not going to reward you for your complaints. But P.J. Tucker complained so hard about, like, that's not a file that I'm committing, and they listened yeah. to him. I don't know what we're supposed to glean only, from that. I only 80% fouled him. You're like, <laughs> well, yeah, that completely prevented him from making a basketball play. Can we blow the whistle? And and to your earlier point about three-point shooting, like, if the corner three didn't exist, if there wasn't this fucking refuge for completely limited garbage players where it's like you can actually go stand over here, do nothing else on offense, and you will help our team if you shoot this number percentage. Like if P.J. Tucker couldn't hide in the corner, he couldn't play in the fucking G League. Like, what we is this talk guy about this. We talked about exactly this on Extra Points. Sometimes guys dominate so much that the sport has to be modified to marginalize that dominance. And now Steph Curry ushered in this age of shooting threes from not 24 feet, but from 35 feet and beyond. And now everybody's a shooter. And now marginal NBA players can go, like you say, hide in the corner. But if you make it 25 feet, that'll be just enough difference to eliminate the corner three. If you because it just literally the line won't fit. The three-point line won't fit in in the into the corners. It'll end at about like 15, you know, at roughly in line. That's gonna be that's gonna be a fun game to watch. Just 27 whistles of guys standing out of bounds when they catch the ball. What I would do is widen the court, which would, you know, cost him a row of seats, so it'll never happen. Exactly, right. And make make that corner three a little bit more legit. And people do the same thing with the NHL. Just make the ice surface bigger. Like, you know, I don't. What, what, how, how much construction are you advocating for across these leagues? But I guess both NHL and NBA 
would benefit if they made the the space that they share a little bit bigger. Maybe there is something to that. We could talk about the Red Sox who are making a little push there. They're plus 2,500 to win the AL East. We don't need to jump in on that, though, Hench, unless you want to express some some new optimism about your team and instead talk about Tom Cruise. But I'll leave it to you. Who wore a Red Sox hat in War of the Worlds, coincidentally? Well, look, you were there, right? He's a huge sports fan. We met him. That's right. Guys, well, we met we met with John Hamm on Extra Points um, earlier in the week, and he was great. We talked uh, his beloved St. Louis Blues. We talked Top Gun. We talked about his visit. His He and Tom Cruise coming over to Kimmel's house for that one football Sunday. Um, let's talk a little Tom Cruise here, because I feel like, um, first of all, do go back and listen to John Hamm. He had some great stories about Cruise and about the movie Top Gun, and it's getting great reviews, and we want our pal to do well and maybe... If I push hard enough, maybe he'll feel like maybe Dave helped just a little bit and therefore I can't kick him out of the league. In, but the uh, one thing, I don't know if you guys got into this while you were filleting the beautiful John Hamm, but um, like a legitimate athlete, like he's a really good athlete. Like I, I you know, he, he plays in the celebrity softball game and goes yard. You know, I've played basketball with him. Like he's, is he's, he good at basketball? He's good at basketball. Yeah. Uh, he's a good and golfer. So, and I'm sure he was a good, I'm sure he's a great golfer. And I'm sure he was, although you know where I put that in terms of sports, but, and I'm sure he was a good football player in high school and, you know, at Ezekiel Elliott University. Um, but uh, so my favorite, I, as I was thinking about the Tom Cruise thing, and I like Tom Cruise, uh, but so I really loved Collateral. Just so, so, ev- so good as a bad, evil I guy. I agree Boy, with that. That's one of my um, three favorite performances. Uh, unbelievable. By but, on the flip side of that, there's just something about him. He's just such a he's just such a modern personality that like I think Valkyrie was probably a great movie, but Cruz is just distracting playing a, a period piece. Like you just can't buy him as a German officer in World War II for a second. Every time he talks, you're like, that's Tom Cruise. That's Tom Cruise. I that felt that way, hard. too, when he was doing – yeah. I felt that way a little – you know, he was praised for his performance. I'm trying to – what was the name of the movie where he's the Vietnam vet? And he – did he Born win – Born on the 4th of July? Born on the 4th of July. He didn't win the Oscar for that, did he? No. He was nominated no. for it. Yeah, I found it distracting, the the hair and makeup. I, that, that, that's where it ended for me. Call me a shallow person. I thought the mustache wasn't believable, and now somebody's going to tell me, oh, that was a real mustache. Well, then it's like a Sidney Crosby playoff beard. They, it don't look right. He, if he can't grow it, then he actually fake looked look. like David Crosby in that movie. <laughs> You're right. That is exactly uh, how he looked. Few good men he, he's really good in. I think the one, I mean, I love Jerry Maguire, by the way, and I don't know sure. if that counts as a sports movie or not. I think it does. I think he's, I, I think the whole, I think the script is dynamite. I think he's great in it. Um, it's, uh, I I don't know, does that count as a rom-com? I don't know if it does or not, but, uh, yeah, but it's a, it's a great, it's a great movie. But I think his greatest performance that for a classic movie that his turn specifically gets looked past is Rain Man. How say you? Well, it's hard, right, when the when the other guys chewing the scenery like that to right. appreciate. But it is, you know, it's hard, it's hard to be the straight guy. But he is great in that movie. You know, I, I mean, it's funny when you think of Few Good Men, Rain Man, um, Jerry Maguire. I, I think he's at his best when he's a version of Tom Cruise, right? Like when he's right. kind of like he's playing Intense a slick guy. guy. He's super right. confident. He's super handsome. You know, you know, he's got a hot girl. Um, or Renee Zellweger, either way. 
Uh, and and so in the problem with Born on the Fourth of July is you're like, you're going to take the most beautiful man in Hollywood and make him look like David Crosby? It, well, at, at least he's going to be sprinting to save the day at the end, right? Oh, heavens no. Like, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I know he was nominated, but it doesn't it doesn't leap to mind most out of character performance. But I do like Cruz as Cruz. He's uh, yeah, it's funny because I've been thinking about actors and how it divides over the course of their career if they play more good guys than bad guys. And if you're a leading man on the level of Tom Cruise through the 80s and 90s, you could just take leading man roles where you end the hero at the end of two hours every time. It is interesting and perhaps his best roles are, are the ones where he's kind of morally ambiguous at best and downright evil at worst. Like Rain Man, he's not a good guy. He kind of learns to appreciate and, and we, we see that he understands why any actual uh, he de develops actual affection for his brother. But he's a bad guy in the movie when we meet him. Collateral, obviously, that's true. Um, uh, looking at the rest of the movies that he's been in. Yeah, there's, well, I didn't like him in Interview for the Vampire. That might, uh, that might undermine the point there. That was a little ridiculous with his, with his blonde hair there. But maybe there's something to, I am Jerry Maguire, actually. He's a, he's a bad guy and, and he transforms once again. Magnolia, another one where he's not a good guy. Oof, you ain't, you ain't kidding. Um, why, so we're talking about Tom Cruise to promote Maverick? I don't know. I just thought it was a fun subject. He's one of the most right. famous the leading men of our life uh, of our lives. And he's got a new movie coming out in Top Gun and our, our pal is in it. I don't know. You don't want to talk about it? We don't have to talk about it. All right. I, that's fine. Uh, as to the Red Sox, it is funny when you <laughs> when when you're all right. when all you're right. that five away. minutes was fine, a waste of time. C minus maybe at best. Uh, when but. you're chipping away at a you know, you bury yourself in April. And then you're like, you know, you go on a little winning streak and you're like, oh, my God, are we still double digits behind this team? Like, how are we ever going to reel in the Yankees? Like, they're so they're just Aaron Judge is going to hit 75 home runs. And and then you look at the date and you and you look at how many games behind you are in the standings. And if you have my PTSD, you go immediately to the Yankees were 14 and a half games behind the Red Sox in the middle of July. <laughs> Like I can feel it all over again. How is it possible? See, and that uh, you just brought it all full circle. See the pain that we uh, expose ourselves to unnecessarily. We could just watch movies. We could watch the uh, Tom Cruise Library. It would fill probably the next year of our lives. No sports. We probably wouldn't be uh, emotional wrecks a lot of the time like we are. But anyway, good stuff, Hench. We'll let you go there. Go make your fancy Hollywood uh, TV and movies, and uh, we'll look forward to kibitzing with you again next week. Well, there he goes. Um, what do you think, Spaghetti? That was a fun show. We did, we did, we worked in a lot of stuff. We talked about three sports at least. We didn't even get to Deshaun Watson. We'll get to that next week, I guess. What goes on with him? Maybe by then we'll even know what uh, what how available he's going to be for twenty twenty two. I don't think it's looking great there. Um, but anyway, Spaghetti, you're off to Hawaii. To uh, to celebrate the Memorial Day weekend with uh, with Jada, yes, yes, I'm going with her and her family, her cousin. So it's, oh, the whole um, gang's going. Oh, yeah, I didn't it's, know. no, it's not some romantic getaway. It's like uh, the whole group, and I'm I'm tagging along. But it should be fun. First time going there. I heard the island I'm going to is pretty. Um, uh, it's the one where you can do a lot of hikes and adventuring, not really laying at the beach at all. So it's it's going to be an adventurous, fun, active uh, vacation. 
Oh, I don't want to go hiking when I'm on vacation. Shit. Uh, you uh, me both. So wait. So your Rangers play at four or five usually our time. What does that mean? So you're gonna have to right in the middle of the day. You're gonna have to be like, hey, I gotta. Sorry, I have duty calls. I gotta go watch the team. I think it's a one o'clock Hawaii puck drop, uh, which would be four o'clock uh, LA time, seven o'clock East Coast time. So I think I, I've got that the time zones down pat now. But yes, I'll be I'll be probably watching on my phone as I'm hiking through a jungle. <laughs> that's, to see, that's exactly what I talked about last week. Sports don't let anybody jive you that that you as a fan aren't relevant that we are the constant that will be a specific memory that you'll have for the rest of your life if the rangers go on to greater glory that remember when i watched game five <laughs> walking through the hawaiian uh woods or whatever wherever the hell you'll be that'll be a singular memory for you and uh it'll be weirdly one you treasure trust me if you don't believe me now you'll believe me in 10 or 20 years anywho uh, we appreciate you listening into our nonsense for another week here. Like I mentioned earlier, we had John Ham on Extra Points. We encourage you, Nay Demand, you go back and listen to that. Good times with Ross Tucker earlier in the week. Go to extrapoints.com to play against and with everybody at the Extra Points crew. Welcome back to Megan Gailey and Megan Fun of Sports back from maternity leave just in time to get right all summer long for the Matt Ryan-led Indianapolis Colts. We'll be back on the other side of Memorial Day weekend to break it all down for you and try and make some sense of, of it for you. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>